Opinions on objects. Musings on miscellany. What we think about this, that, and everything else. My name's Jack. And my name's Andy. And And you're listening to Jack and Andy's Thoughts on Stuff. This week on Jack and Andy's Thoughts on Stuff, we're going to start off with science denial and see where that leads us. Yes, fun topic. Fun topic for all. (laughs) Favourite thing to talk about. Exactly, exactly. So I was listening to um, a podcast on yeah, a couple of days ago in relation to science denial. It was an American Psychological Association podcast called Speaking of Psychology. And it had Gail Sinatra and Barbara Hofer who were talking to the presenter in relation to science denial, which they've just written a book about. I guess it was really interesting because they've done a lot of research around science denial and what causes and leads to science denial. That's important to know. You need to take care of that. There's too much of this going on. I think it's a good quote. I have no idea who it's by, but it's along the lines of, you've never lived in an age that's so heavily dependent on science and yet has so much skepticism Mm. about it. Mm. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Obviously, the last few years, five years at least, have been really ripe ground I guess for research around science denial given like the climate change denial and the denial of like the COVID stuff and one of the biggest yeah the vaccines exactly Mm -hmm. so one of the biggest things that they said that contributes to science denial and there's no surprise here is a lack of science literacy within the general population and understanding how scientific research actually works and that people think that when scientists do research it equals certainty they don't understand that they're testing hypotheses and it's not certainty and that theories are theories they're not they're not certain yeah. things <laughs> actually that reminds me of something like the opposite but similar vein and people say oh theory of gravity that's just a theory mm-hmm. and like no this is a scientific theory it's a little bit different from my personal theory as to why this guy is hiding from the police in this TV series. Yes. There is a certain level of, like, strength behind the theory. But, um, yeah, how you get there yes. is probably a matter of concern. Exactly. She talked about confirmation bias and motivated reasoning, and they're, very, they're kind of similar. Like, confirmation bias is where we tend to seek out things that confirm our belief rather yeah. than go against it and motivated reasoning is basically an emotional bias that kind of leads us to the conclusion that we want yeah rather than going against it sort of thing it kind of puts me in mind of when um the whole conspiracy defense Mm. it's kind of like i believe any stupid shit that i hear that backs up my belief and everything else is a conspiracy Mm. like um flat earthers for example Mm-hmm. it's like I look at the world it looks flat therefore it's flat like how do you explain space travel ah uh, it's a conspiracy so you can't you can't just say it's a conspiracy and then it, it's not defence it's not an argument <laughs> exactly <sighs> exactly and that comes back to science literacy it's people who actually don't understand the scientific process they don't understand how it works um, you know, they don't understand how to read research articles. And they were talking yeah. about how, you know, that we really need to be educating kids in school to be able to properly read research and understand how that all works so that we can build that science literacy and then we wouldn't 
have so many issues with people flat out like just yeah you know and they were talking about how like because science tests hypotheses and like especially like with COVID for instance it's new it's a new virus that we had never come in contact with before so they've been learning as they go so you know when it first started they were saying oh no no need to wear masks it's not an airborne virus and then later on it came out that masks were going to be a good defense against the virus and then people are like oh but you said that we didn't need masks like and then that yeah, kind exactly. of decreased the the confidence i guess in science but that's because people un- didn't understand that like like they said science isn't a certain thing it's yeah. a hypothesis it and a theory and it more information that you get exactly in. just when you mentioned science literacy it reminded me of um this lovely jehovah's witness lady i met once and she literally thought evolution was an animal being born with like a whole new limb <laughs> like i had to explain to her it takes like thousands and thousands of years for like small evolutionary steps to have been taken mm-hmm. and stuff because no one had actually explained to her how it worked properly and she made assumptions that evolutionary scientists were out there being like oh yes this thing woke up one day and it was evolved the end mm-hmm. that's what evolution is it's like wow you've missed a lot of steps there <laughs> very incorrect and i can see why you wouldn't believe that version of evolution the mm. incorrect one doesn't make any sense yeah yeah like, yeah that does sound ridiculous because it is and that's not actually what evolution is yeah yeah exactly it comes from the position that that person also plays in your life if you have somebody that you really look up to and has never steered you wrong before and then they start saying certain things then you're more likely to believe what they say because of the position that they hold within your mind yeah um the more esteem you have for someone the more likely you are to believe what they say yeah i have someone in my life that um is a very strong like mother figure like she's, she's much older than me and she's very much into science and like you know scientific fact and this is what's good for you as per science and then as i got older she started saying stuff like i think there's more homosexuals around because they're putting chemicals in the water and the frogs are all turning gay mm-hmm. and i'm like okay sure sis <laughs> what other stuff did you tell me when i was growing up that was not quite correct <laughs> I mean, you know, you seem so rational and scientific before. <laughs> and then I ask her, like, what science is it behind this? Like, no, no, there's no science behind it. But, you know, if you look at, like, the percentage of gay people around and, like, the frogs and the chemicals, and like, that's, that's not science. No. Oh, dear. I know. <laughs> and never mind the fact that there's probably more gay people around because people are more comfortable to actually reveal their, yeah. their homosexuality. It's not illegal anymore. Days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we've had a conversation like ages ago about how people's perceptions of the world really comes down to the knowledge and how, remember how we were having those conversations, how mm. like it's like some, it's like the ideal person should have little bits of knowledge and understanding about like hundreds of different topics rather yeah. than just like one or two so that they could have a really broad kind of perspective on situations no, it's important. I think that's probably one of the major benefits of just schooling. I mean, I don't like the modern school system, but it is a good idea to have people educated in multiple fields of mm. areas, the basics, mm. rather than just specialising from a young age in one area of yeah. work, that sort of stuff. Yeah. 
it doesn't quite go far enough. Um, but then, I don't know, I think in America or something like that, it would make more sense for science and literacy, because I think the education system's not quite the same as in Australia, but we're more standardised. Like, most people in Australia should have a solid grasp of how science works, because they should have all done it in high mm. school, and mm. presumably they would have passed most of their tests, mm. and yeah. you're not being yeah. held back a year or anything, <laughs> so they should know this stuff. Yeah. But I think a lot of people forget science literacy after they've learned it as well, which I think is probably a major problem. Yeah, but I think too, like they don't really go into research really into high school science. Like I didn't no. learn, I didn't learn about reading research and reading research studies and stuff until I was in university. That's true. It like, does sort of make way for those parents to go, oh, I can't let my child be educated on one textbook. Mm. It's like, well, that textbook is the combination and accumulation of knowledge by mm. science over. Mm hundred of years put into an easy to consume one book yeah <laughs> that you can reference rather than having to have your kids go through the university experience of buying one new book for every subject every semester and that sort of thing yeah you don't learn about all this, the history behind the stuff you learn in high school you just learn the facts in your textbook yeah as they come out so yeah it's true yeah but you you just raised a good point too like we do learn about a different a different variety of topics in school. I think the problem with the, the system is that we force kids to learn certain things that aren't going to be useful for them to life rather than just allowing their curiosity to lead them down the path of like discovery for themselves about those topics. Like, yeah, true. You know, I was talking to a teacher, just as an aside, talking to a teacher who I do Japanese with and she's a high school teacher, fairly young herself, probably just like one or two years out of uni. And um, she's teaching year eight maths and she's teaching them quadratic equations and she's like yeah. she's like I don't even have the energy or the will to teach these kids quadratic equations because I know it's useless and they're never going to use it in their life and they're all sitting there and they're just not ready to like even participate in the, the lesson in relation to this they're just not getting it yeah and she's like it just she says really soul destroying when I have to there's so many more interesting things like you know, finance and budget and all that sort of stuff that I could be teaching them that's actually going to be useful for yeah, them applications later for on. maths. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, um, when I was at high school, I really liked English. And it was the one subject that I was in, like, the top class for. But they made critical analysis, like, painful. And obscure. They didn't actually even explain what it was. It was kind of like, here, read or watch this, now do a critical analysis of it. Critical analysis is like assessing the text for meaning. There you go, have at it. You yeah. know, like that's it. It took me ages to figure out what it was, and it annoyed the hell out of me. Mm. Once I discovered what it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but the way it was like sort of forced on you, I can see why a lot of other kids were like, "Wow, this is bullshit." Mm. And it this all comes, it lazy, all stupid <laughs> shit. Exactly. Yeah. But it all comes back down to the teacher in the end, because I had great teachers who taught me good, like, things. You know, critical analysis at its most simplest, they were just like, what's the good things and what's the bad things? Like, you know, talk mm. about that sort of thing. But, yeah, if you have a shit teacher that doesn't know what they're doing or isn't interested in the topic, then you're not going to have interest in that topic. Yeah. But, yeah, and, and nobody's going to go out and do it, figure it out yourself like you did. Yeah, yeah. those sort of teachers don't portray it as a fun interesting thing like the reason I like critical analysis in the end is because it's basically like here's a piece of media consume it 
and come up with your wildly ridiculous theories about why the writer or director made this weird decision. Go for it. Yeah. Like, but it's not portrayed as a creative investigative process when you're in high school. This is kind of like, this is a high level, boring English thing that you have to do to pass the subject. Mm. It's like, yay, I guess. <laughs> exactly. It's never presented in a fun way. Especially school in Australia. I really, I really don't love the Australian curriculum or how they're like forcing kids. Like, I just really struggle with them putting teenagers through the most stressful time of their so much stress when they're already going through puberty, which is one of the most stressful times of growth. Yeah, and you're surrounded by all the teenagers, which is yeah. all very stressful. And, you know, they're causing all that toxic stress. The kids' brains are still developing. Like, that toxic stress is going to be having impacts yeah. on their brain development. I was talking to someone the other day who's telling me about the Japanese schools for kids who don't attend that school during the week and only go on a Saturday. They have to, like, do the whole week's work in three hours. And if they what? don't keep up, they're like, you know, that's too bad. They just get left behind. Yeah. And they have tons of homework. And these are kids that are like seven, eight, nine years old. And I'm like, you don't put that kind of stress on kids no. that age. Like, it's the just, hell? that is just ridiculous. Like, and who's, who's, who's this for? It's not for the kid. It's for you. It's yeah. for you to be able to say, oh, my kid did this. And then I was asking this lady, I was like, oh, why do they do that? And she said, because... Most of the people who go to that school are Jap Japanese families who have only come here temporarily. And so when they go back to Japan, they want to ensure that their kids aren't left behind and they can just go straight in to school. Or if they finish school here, they can get into university. Ah. So I've heard that the Japanese school system is based off the Australian school system. Oh, really? So I'm like, surely... But at the same time, I'm like, they would be, because in Japanese schooling, I've heard they don't do things like critical analysis. It's basically rote learning. Yeah. Like you just learn, you just, yeah, you just learn it by rote. So they're probably actually having a more fulfilling schooling experience here that's going to prepare them for life later on than they would at, in Japan anyway. But I just found that really interesting. I'd, and <laughs> Considering teachers and that are meant to be, you know, they're meant to be specialists in children and children education and stuff like that. For, for them not to understand the impact that stress has on the brain development and, and development in general, that, like, really concerns me. Yeah, you think that'd be, like, <laughs> one of the most important things they'd be teaching people who are responsible for young people. Yeah. How young people's brains work. Yeah. Seems exactly. important. Exactly. And a lot of principals that get in, they're just there to go for higher positions. They've probably had very little experience actually working in the classroom. And they're business managers. They're not there yeah, to care are. for their well-being of kids. Like, it's the weirdest thing. It's just, uh, it's terrible. And the deputy principals are just so overrun and stressed. And then here in our, where we live, there's one guy, there's like only a handful of guidance officers for like 20 schools and they only get to go into school maybe like one or two days a week per school. Yeah. And they're so burnt out themselves. Like how are they meant to care for, you know, help with yeah. all of these kids? And some of these schools have over a thousand students. We, so. in my high school growing up, it wasn't very big, but we did have a permanent guidance counsellor. Mm. But no one I knew actually spoke to them. Mm. I wasn't even sure what they did. Like, yeah function they served <laughs> they were just kind of like the hippie teacher that cares about your feelings but you never talk to them so that's just a rumor that you've heard from exactly someone. 
I didn't know what a guidance officer was until I started working in the area that I work in. Like, mm. it wasn't until I was even, actually, it was when I was wanting to go to university. Like, I did psychology, and then to when I was finishing that, I was like, oh, you know, I probably should have done, maybe I'll do the extra year of education so I can become a guidance officer because I learned what a guidance officer actually does. Like, they are meant yeah. to be there and be for the well being of students and stuff. But when I was in school, the only time I ever saw the guidance officer was when I had to go and, like, talk to her about career choices. Like, that was oh, it. We didn't even have that. <laughs> I think we might have had one meeting at one year of my high school where we had to do something along those mm. lines. And it was very much kind of like, what are you interested in? Nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe you should think about that. <laughs> Next. Okay, hey, thank you for your assistance. <laughs> yes. It's ridiculous. I really, I really agree with the idea of guidance counsellors. Hell, I think we need to have them in, like, the workplace mm. as well. But you kind of need at least one per year, in, mm. like, school year. Mm. Depends on how big the school is. But I think, you know, one person can't guide a thousand students. No. Like, oh, no. <laughs> and they can't do it just one or two days a week. Like, yeah. they, they need a couple, like a team, a guidance team permanently. Mm. I mean, the schools are getting better and they are getting well-being teams and stuff in, but it's only just happening and these problems have been happening for years. And, I mean, I, it's been over 20 years since I was in high school. And, yeah, you know, it just, it just is really annoying how long it takes them to catch up. Like, they're so, con- so concerned about the grades and getting good numbers and, like, being the best school. But it's like, how about you, like, be the best school who gives a shit about their kids and yeah. not, like, you know, isn't about test scores and shit like that? Like, because I know, I think in Australia, their test scores depends on, then, like, determines how much funding they get or something uh, like that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard something like that. Yeah. yeah. And it's just stupid. It is. Yeah. Anyway, when we were talking about the podcast before, one of the things they also mentioned was algorithms and how like tech algorithms on the big big tech and they're talking about yeah. how big tech has a oh, has a um, hand yeah. to play in this and yeah. that you know obviously if you're gonna if you google something once or twice then the algorithm kicks in that's going to show you things in line with that you know are like you you know how you get all the ads every website you go to yeah. if you looked at one ad thing you get the ads in every website that you go to sort of thing mm. and that people don't understand about the algorithms they don't understand how algorithms work so if you like something of a certain topic on tiktok for instance then the algorithm works that so it will show you more of those things that you like so if yeah. you've liked something that's like anti-climate change or covid denial or something then that's all that you're going to see but people mistakenly then think that yeah, the majority the, of the stuff exactly, is that, Exactly. So it gives it also more weight in their eyes because yeah. that's what they're seeing all the time. Personally, um, I am aware of the algorithm. Mm. To the extent that I get mode at it when it gets things wrong. <laughs> so if I'm watching videos about LGBTI plus content on YouTube and then it brings up a anti-LGBTI content video because it mistakenly thought it was pro- I'm like, really? YouTube? What the fuck are you doing? This is not the shit I want to watch. But, you know, I'm aware of my biases that I get fed through YouTube. That's kind of why I use YouTube to escape from the stupid people in my life that disagree with me. (laughs) But I don't mind having that bias in my media because 
I have the real people around me anyway to balance me out. Mm. It's um, kind of like if I read fiction, I like ones with happy endings. Mm. I don't go around thinking because of that all like life is happy endings and mm. life always works out. It's the opposite. I know that's not how life is, so I go looking for that. Mm. But if you don't know that the algorithm is working to show you this stuff, I can definitely see how it would skew your views on things. Mm. Especially when it comes to like climate denial and flat earth theory and that. Mm. I mean, my YouTube channel feeds me nothing but how stupid is this flat earther? <laughs> Lol. They're so silly videos. Which I don't watch anymore because they're kind of mean <laughs> most of the time. I know. But I can't imagine this, like, the opposite being fed to me if I saw it all the time. Yeah. I watched a video this morning, actually, on sugar. Mm. Um, and about how cane sugar, maple syrup, honey, um, coconut sugar, some have some slight increase in health benefits to them. But overall, they're sugar. Mm. Like, sure, maple syrup has extra minerals, but not nearly enough minerals to count in your overall health. <laughs> There's more sugar than minerals in maple syrup. Mm. But if you watch um, YouTube cooking videos, it's always like, ah, oh, and now we're going to use maple syrup because it's more healthy. Mm. Oh, we're going to use um, raw coconut sugar, you know, because it's low glycemic index. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. It's all sugar. Yeah. But you'd never... Like, I'm aware of my biases, and I'm aware of the, um, the things I've shown, but that actually had sort of missed me mm. a bit. Mm. Like, I knew there wasn't much difference between mm. cane sugar and maple syrup, mm. but I still thought, oh, there must be just enough benefit from using maple mm. syrup to be worth maybe swapping it mm. out. Mm. But it turns out, no, there's no benefit. Mm. It's so minimal. He's like, just eat a carrot, and you get way more minerals than you get from, like, any other yeah. type of sugar. It's just... Yeah, exactly. The problem with sugar, though, is... Overblown. The problem, um, yeah. the problem with sugar is it's not so much the sugar that's the problem, it's how much they use and things. That's the yeah, issue, exactly. really. Yeah. As Bia was saying, like, if you have a small amount of any sugar, mm. it doesn't affect you. It's mm. fine. Mm. But if you consume large amounts of sugar... On a regular basis. On a regular, so that's yeah. when it um, it really starts a problem. Yeah. Like fructose, apparently. Um, actually, I will say, this is by Anne Reardon. If you like um, food science, you should go and check her out on YouTube. She's an Australian um, baker. She's pretty good. So she was saying that fructose turns into fat, whereas um, glucose doesn't. Mm. But glucose is what gives you this spike mm. of, in your insulin sort of mm. thing, which can be bad for you. But isn't glucose also what the brain uses? Like, doesn't your yeah. brain like, metabolize it goes like, straight into sugar the or something? bloodstream? Yeah. 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 And if fructose goes in, has to go into your stomach mm. in order to get broken down, mm. and it gets turned into fats. Mm. But only if you have too much of it. Mm. So fructose, fructose is perfectly good for you if you don't have too much. Mm. Um, same with any other sugar. Mm. It's fine if you don't have too much. Mm. Um, so, but if you're consuming a tin of Coke four times a day, yeah. I think Coke <laughs> has like something like 12 teaspoons of sugar in it. I don't know. I can't. I can't quote on that. But some ridiculous amount of sugar. Yeah, you so, definitely yeah. look it up. It's yeah. a very large amount of yeah. sugar, <laughs> which is odd because it doesn't even taste that sweet. I'm pretty sure they put other flavoring in there, which dampens the, the sweetness. sweetness. Yeah. I mean, if anyone's tried drinking that much sugar in a Coke compared to eating spoonfuls of sugar, you're much more likely to get through the can of Coke than you are because all the spoonfuls of sugar exactly. is too sweet. But you know, food. It's called junk food and capitalism. It's a great combination. So Coke has. I'm just. I needed to 
Google this because I don't want to like bag Coke out, <laughs> even though I hate Coke. No offense, Coke. It tastes really terrible. Like it. I really Sorry, don't Coke like fans. Drink. Yeah. Um, but there is about, yeah, in a 500 ml bottle, there are over 12 teaspoons of Coke of sugar in Coca-Cola. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I kind of had assumed you were exaggerating. No. <laughs> there's 10.6 grams per 100 mils. Oh. So, yeah, there's a lot of sugar in Coke. We have this, the reason I know that is because we have this poster at work and it has all of the different things that people like drink or eat on a regular basis, like junk food. Oh, yeah. And then it has the pictures of how many teaspoons of sugar there is in that thing. Oh. And I was, I was always really like, blown away with how much there was in Coke. It's just crazy. Surely Coke's reached its saturation point. Like, you literally couldn't add any more sugar to it without it just going to the bottom of the can and sitting there because it's already full of sugar. Surely. 12 te- <laughs> teaspoons. Teaspoons. You'd hope so. You'd hope so. But it just... That uh, makes it syrup, pretty much. I know. How crazy is that, isn't it? I, I just... I can't stand stuff that says, like, I would rather they put real sugar into something rather than stevia yeah. or those fake the natural sugars well, i'm like sugar most of the sugars that they put in stuff is natural sugars i yeah. just i don't understand that i guess they mean like refined non like non-refined sugar but yeah that stuff tastes does taste like shit it's one of those things like non-refined sugar is better for you in the same way that getting stabbed in the chest with a large knife is worse for, than you than you said in the chest with a slightly smaller knife. Yes. <laughs> that technically that's accurate, but not helpful. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing with sugar, the message is, as with everything, in moderation. Like, don't go overboard with it, you know? It's just crazy. It's just like those people, like lifestyle choices. It bothers me when I just see people and, like, every drink they drink is an iced coffee or a can of Coke and then they got their cigarette, they're having their smoke and then they wonder why they have health issues and yeah, <laughs> and why they're overweight and it's, like... It's mm, true. I'm probably on weight. That's because I don't exercise. Yeah. I'm aware of this. <laughs> I was listening but I to hate a, exercise. Oh, well, I was listening to a podcast. I'm not saying that don't exercise because exercise has millions of other benefits, but apparently weight loss is not one of the biggest ones. Excellent. They did. I was, heart health is a bit one of the best things, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, heart health mm-hmm. um, and stress release, all those sorts of things. Really? Yeah. Exercise stresses me out. Yeah. Well, if it depends what your thought process is around doing that. If you're forcing yourself to exercise, then you're uh, going to stress out. I can't out. breathe. Uh, this hurts. Yeah. Uh, I want to stop this right now, <laughs> then you But you're forcing yourself to keep going. That's the problem. Yeah. So you should just stop when your body... You should just, okay, I can't run anymore. I'm going to walk now. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Be like my dog, Reggie. <laughs> Do nothing and then run around like a maniac until yeah. you get tired and then stop. Yeah. She really seems to love running around. <laughs> like... She's a lazy dog most of the time, but sometimes I wonder if she's got greyhound in her. She doesn't like to fetch, doesn't like to play tug of war. She likes soft toys in that she'll pick them up and then put them down and then ignore them for a week. But if she's happy, she just runs in circles really, really fast. And then she veers off and comes straight for you and then veers off the last second. Um, my partner actually says that he thinks she likes to do it to see him flinch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she's that Ch- malicious. Psych. Yeah. Psych. 
But anyway, that exercise thing, that was another podcast that I listened to called Science Verse. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, Science Verse. Yeah, so they, they were doing an episode about, like, exercise, does it really lead to help you lose weight? And they quoted this study that was done over a 10-year period around, and they got a group of people who were basically, they lived sedentary lifestyles. They had lived pretty much a sedentary lifestyle right up until that point. Mm. And then for 10 years, they got them to exercise five days a week for one hour, high-intensity exercise. And the average weight loss for men was 1.5 kilograms, and the average weight loss for women was one over that 10, one kilo over that 10-year period. So they've, they found that exercise doesn't actually lead to weight loss. It's more your diet that yeah. is the weight loss thing. I mean, it does kind of make sense with me. Yeah. I do do far less exercise now mm. than I used to, but I've never done very much. But you're and also I've always eating a lot more skinny. now, you've said too. I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's my partner's fault. And you drink he likes beer to make a lot me more eat. too. Yeah, and wine. Yeah. So we, and Canadian. Yeah, clubs. when you were living with me, we used to do that maybe once once a month, maybe once every couple of weeks, like especially in the years, kind of the last the few last years, few yeah. years. But when we were younger, we, yeah, when we were so younger, much. not so much, but yeah, but when we in the last few years, but when, but now you've moved out, you do like you've said to me, you do you are yeah, drinking. it's all my boyfriend's fault. Yeah, <laughs> blame him entirely. Never mind, you could say no. <laughs> I can't though. He's too persuasive, but also he really thinks of like a couple of drinks as being like a reward. Mm. So like I think we've talked about this like ages mm. ago about mm. how we use food as a reward system. Mm. Yeah, and it's kind of like a bad habit we get taught. We need to unlearn, un- yeah, unlearn, shift mm. our thinking from. Yeah. So for us, when we live together, at the end of the week we're like, "Woo, it's Friday! Let's mm. stay up later than usual mm. and watch a movie." Mm. But for him, it's hooray! It's Friday time to have a few drinks yeah and whereas if we got drunk together we'd probably want to go out dancing or something whereas my partner will have a few drinks and be like well that was fun time to go to bed yeah and i'm like wow we're not going to use any of this energy you just consumed <laughs> so, nope okay sure i'm trying to um drink less mm. so i find i don't enjoy the second or third drink as much mm. as the first yeah so i'm kind of cut down to like one drink and then just knock it off yeah sort of thing yeah but you know we'll see how we go yeah i hate being left out of things which is probably why i overeat <laughs> also i encourage myself to eat more mm. because he's eating and i and i want to be part of that mm. as well yeah i'm probably just too clingy i guess no i don't think it's clinginess i think it's just like if it becomes something that really concerns you that i think it's like i think you need to decide whether or not it's something that's important and if it's important that you don't put on weight then it just is about swapping it out so rather than like if he's eating rather than maybe like sitting down and consuming a meal with him especially if you don't feel like it like mm. maybe trying to sit with him but do something else while you're sitting with him so you're still because what you're craving isn't the food it's the interaction during yeah, that experience so i should drink more tea yeah. as a solution exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's my answer for most things tea is the answer yeah like it's not about restricting yourself from food but if the food is what you're not craving then but just the experience of interaction then you don't need to eat to have that interaction still yeah yeah mind you if i could convince him to eat less that would be good as well Mm. he's to figure out why he eats so much 
Yeah. I think he's got that reward thing mm. really. I think I said it, didn't I? Yeah. We both had that reward um, system tied to food. But yeah. I think he's got it more severely than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Science mass. Science mass. Yeah. Like a remember, church mass. No, like oh. it's a Christmas. Yeah. I oh, remember yes. I was a couple of years ago yes. I was in the science mass. Yes. That's, that's right. when I made my oratory. Yes. Which you still have yet to take with you. Really? Yeah. I thought I took that. Or maybe you did. Maybe you took it recently. Possibly. I think yeah, because I think I'd moved out and you were like, by the way, your oratory is still in the garage. I was yeah. like, Oh, whoops. Yeah. Where did I put that? Maybe I'll try and maybe you we should go check. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um for those who don't know, which is everyone except for us, <laughs> an oratory is an orrery, which is a model of the plants going around the sun combined with a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. It I made it by cool. hand. It was very yeah. cool. Not as pretty as a Christmas tree, <laughs> but very sciencey. Yeah. Not a good thing to have, though, with cats. No. I think my comet was the bottom hanging yeah. um, wobble. <laughs> it got destroyed a couple of times, and yeah. I gave up trying to fix it. Yeah. But it was pretty cool. This is pets all around, isn't it? Mm. They they break your shit, and you try to fix it a couple of times, and you realize you're not gonna win, no. so you stop. <laughs> exactly. But my dog, my goddamn pot plants. So, all right, you want to dig up that plant? It's yours now. You you have it. Yeah. <laughs> but science miss sounds great. Science miss is good. Mm. I, I think like I, I was because my brother's been watching Big Bang Theory to go to sleep, and so I've been seeing a few more episodes here and there again, repeats of things I've already seen. But there was the one episode because Sheldon hates Christmas because he's like, you know, it's a religious thing, and he oh, just right, doesn't believe in it. Super yeah, and, stuff. and he was pretty much similar. Like, why don't we just have a, you know, it was some other mess, but it was to do with science sort of thing. Yeah, I think I remember the episode. Yeah. It was like some scientist's name. Yeah. But I can't remember which science is no. I just yeah. like I like the end of that episode or one particular Christmas episode anyway because when Penny got him the signature from Leonard Nimoy. Oh, and, and he, he was, licensed it he, to wipe his mouth. Yeah, with it. and he was just like so happy about He's it. He's helping me. Yeah, <laughs> such a good episode. Um, Big Bang Theory has a lot of problematic elements to it, but mm. it's also got a lot of good stuff in it as well. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of a contradicting TV series. Like, um, sometimes it's hilarious and sometimes it's not funny, but they play a laughing track in the background. Mm-hmm. So you're not sure because someone's laughing. Yeah. Even though you know it's a fake laugh. Yeah. Your brain doesn't really <laughs> figure that out. But some parts are genuinely funny and yeah. heartwarming and that sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. The characters are not all great, but my brother and I were talking about this the other day because he was saying how he couldn't get into Sheldon, you know, the, um, the, oh, the kids, the, the kid the, t- the yeah. TV series of him as a child. And I said, I think the problem is, is that with Big Bang Theory, it works because all of those characters work together. They don't so much would, they don't really work independently, but they work well yeah. together. And Sheldon's likable only because you have the payoff of everyone else around him to like dull his unlikableness. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a thing that happens a lot, I think. Um, like with side characters, people watch a TV series and go, oh, that was great, but that side character is my favorite part. Mm. And they try to make a spin-off series about that side character, and it's shit. Yeah, exactly. Because that side character isn't as funny or interesting or smart. Without the interaction of all the other characters. It all goes together. Yeah, exactly. um, No. But I think maybe we should end with saying we're probably not going to get do another one before Christmas. 
So we yeah, probably true. should say <laughs> Merry Christmas now. Merry Science Miss. Merry Science Miss. <laughs> Make an Aurora tree. Aurora. Aurora yeah. tree. Make an Aurora tree. <laughs> Aurora tree. Um, although, what do you want to add? I do also love Christmas. Mm. I'm not religious. You're not a Grinch. But I'm not a Grinch. <laughs> I love Christmas. It's my favourite event of the year. Mm. But I also love Science Miss. Yes. And my idea of Science Miss is pretty much like. Um, space-based yes. so I just think of like sparkly lights and stars in the sky yeah I love tinsel and sparkles and lights <laughs> yes. so Christmas is great science miss is great happy holidays yeah enjoy time with spending time with your family yeah in Australia enjoy your barbecues and your backyard cricket yeah <laughs> going to the beach having some fun and if you're not listening to this around Christmas time just you know Think of the upcoming Christmas. Yeah, and hopefully it's a good one. Or something. <laughs> All right, well, we'll leave it there now. Thanks, yeah. everyone. Bye. See ya.